Hi, and welcome back to our uh, series on biases. Uh, so in the last podcast, uh, we, we generally discussed why we were looking at this and how we are looking to move forward. Uh, here's the framing for today's podcast. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about decisions. You'll see why it plays such an important role in biases. Lay out three categories, three big categories of biases, and uh, we will devote one podcast each to the three big categories. So today, um, uh, our focus is around decisions, why they're important, and the first degree of biases, uh, which is uh, which we are framing it as attitudinal biases. So with that, uh, I want to kickstart this, uh, this particular podcast. So guys, um, as we jump in, why don't we talk a little bit about maybe the decision chain and the role it plays uh, uh, where we were talking about uh, the attitudes of how we arrive at, uh, go towards a decision, uh, the pre-choice and post, uh, post-decision uh, biases. Well, so uh, we spent quite a bit of time trying to make some sense out of uh, biases because um, the research that's done, been done on this topic places the, sort of the number of them anywhere from a dozen to a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it becomes a mess, you know. And when we started learning about this area, is that like, like it was uh, there is really mm, there's no map of it, you know. It's it's all one big big pile of it. Hard to remember, hard to really apply them, hard to do anything with them. So. Um, we try to make it more systematic and give it a flow, you know, to the biases from beginning to the end. And um, I think we've been reasonably successful uh, in um, capturing three categories, but it's not just three categories. They, they also, they, they can follow uh, each other from the first to second to the third. Sergey, do you want to present them? Uh, yeah, so uh, one category uh, where I guess where it pretty much all begins is the attitudinal biases. So it's attitude. What's your attitude towards uh, whatever you're uh, dealing with at the moment? Uh, so that uh, – uh, and I'm not going to go into details. I'm just going to skip skim over like – the big picture for now. So, given your attitude, uh, you uh, then uh, make some decisions. Well, not decisions, but you filter uh, before you make a decision. You make you you are uh, uh, basically uh, have some what we call pre-choice biases. So, before the before you making a choice about something, uh, you are already filtering information uh, before that, uh, given your attitudes and uh, like how you operate in the world. Uh, and once the decision is made, now you also want to make yourself feel good about it or, or uh, something like that, which we classified as post-choice rationalization biases. And there are a few that we picked as examples. Yeah, and I think I think uh, I, I, I want to emphasize uh, one thing here, uh, which is decisions, right? And why why. Why and when we make decisions? I think it's a. Uh, it's a, most people when you say, "Oh, do you make decisions?" They say yes. But what does it really mean to make decisions? Think about it this way, guys. You only make decisions when you have imperfect information. If you had perfect information, 
the decision would be made for you. There would, mm-hmm. there would not be a need for you to make decisions because it would be self-evident and uh, obvious, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you think about making decisions, what you're really saying is either you have an imperfect, imperfect picture or incomplete information and you need to act on it. And this is where this is where biases come in. What biases do is uh, what biases do is uh, essentially come in and make that information either incomplete or twisted in a particular way. And this is how it really impacts this decision. So the reason we are so uh, interested in this topic is, uh, at the end of the day, leading a good life is about making good decisions all around. And when we are unable to make those good decisions, you don't lead such a good life, as simple as that. And if you want to change the quality of your decisions, uh, you essentially have to arrive at a way of seeing reality as it really is, and then being able to move based on that. Now, the first, the first categories of biases we are going after, this is the big picture bias, right? The attitudinals, how, how, we, uh, how we are set in our life, if you will. And this kind of colors everything. Kind of like if you wear uh, uh, pink glasses, the world suddenly seems a little pinkish, right? And uh, you start making decisions based on, hey, this is the color spectrum, okay? So... So when we start looking at these attitudinal biases, we, we, we further broke it into uh, three subcategories or three pillars, if you will. One, we call them the biases of confidence, the biases of authority, and the biases of stereotyping. And what we're going to do is uh, go after each one of them, and we could, we're going to take examples from, uh, you know, our everyday life, you know, might be... Uh, the political situation we are facing, the relationships we have at work, home, or play, and or, hey, you might be somebody starting something new, and how does this impact your decisions? So, guys, does that sound like, uh, does that sound like a game plan? So, why don't we start with uh, maybe, uh, 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 sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, as you listen to to the specific biases when we define them we talk about them uh we give examples about them um sort of what's the point right what's the point for you for the, for the listeners um and uh what i urge you to do as you listen to each bias is to think whether um whether you have this bias and be, be honest with yourself really you know um and Honestly, we all have these biases to some degree, so um, chances are you will find yourself uh, sometimes using and abusing each of these biases. So as you listen, um, try to try to apply it to your own life. To when when is this happening with you? When is it happening um, with circumstances and? Uh, once you are able to notice the the context where this happens, and then then we can also talk about uh, what to do and and how you can try to shift that into 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 uh, more uh, sort of straightforward decision making process. Uh, and if you can straighten out these you know these 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 curves and filters that biases introduce into your thinking process. 
Yeah, and and that's a very important point. I mean, the one way to think about it, if if I was to just uh, if I was just to kind of uh, uh, simplify it a little bit, what 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 we are saying is that if, for example, I find that I have a bias towards being overconfident, and that's generally being just say that my way of being in life. Maybe step back a second and think about what would happen if I was underconfident. Now, what this suddenly gives you is a range or scenarios of possible outcomes. And you're able to see, hey, what is most likely the reality? When I was overconfident, what was my success rate? (laughs) Right? And what happened the times when I was not successful? Could I have done things better if I had tweaked myself and my approach based on the information I got. So so think about this not as good or bad, but spectrums of response potential that you have given a particular piece of information has come towards you. Yeah, that's very important. Exactly. Just to reiterate it, I, I, we're not calling you to change. Uh, uh, that decision is yours. Uh, we are simply calling you to become aware of 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 these biases, and then once you are aware, you can decide what you want to do about them, change them, stay with them, or whatever you want. Okay, so with that, why don't we jump in? We we talked that uh, the attitudinal biases. There are three three subcategories. Uh, the three categ- uh, three subcategories again are biases of confidence, biases uh, of authority, and biases of stereotyping. Why don't we start with? Uh, the, the the spectrum of confidence. Uh, Arman or Sergey, do you want to kick it off? Um, okay, let me uh, 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 bring something from, uh, say, a work relationship, right? So, uh, I guess a lot of us uh, do go to work, and a lot of us t- uh, get a salary, and uh, well, uh, once in a while, we decide that maybe we are not paid enough. Maybe we should ask for a raise. So uh what 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 happens uh if let's say you are overconfident like there, there are two different people like some of them will just go oh I, I definitely deserve higher pay right I'll just go to the manager and tell him that uh like straight out I mean man you know you're not really paying me enough come on uh, and some others would be like I you know I I think I I'm really paid a lot already I I'll just better shut up until they find out better Right. Uh, so, in both of those cases, let's let's think about it. What might happen, right? So, uh, let's say in overconfidence case, you walk up to a manager, you know, the first day of the job, and say, you know, come on, man, I I I really need like double my salary because otherwise it's like what I'm doing a lot of stuff already, and like they're really not paying me well, right? And uh, uh, chances are uh, that uh, you're asking too much. Uh, and uh, you're probably going to either spoil the relationship with your manager, you know, because uh, he's, he's probably going to refuse that. And you probably get angry at him. And it's like it's not a healthy relationship. And uh, even if you were um, scheduled for a raise uh, at some point, maybe you're not going to get it because now your manager thinks that you are too arrogant and you probably don't deserve it. You know, that might be one of the ways that it can fail. Uh, and obviously, if you're uh, not asking for it, right? If you're too uh, 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 underconfident, right? So you're too pessimistic about your uh, abilities, uh, then you know 
uh, a lot of uh, companies uh, are pretty happy about uh, you know uh, saving the cost, so they're not going to give you a raise. So you're just going to be going underpaid for a while, and you know that's also not very good. Just a trivial example, right? I think it's a great example. I, pretty much everybody who ever worked for somebody has said. You know, these entertain the ideas of whether to get a raise or not, right? And mm-hmm. then these issues of confidence come into play. Um, I, I want to um, hi- highlight uh, uh, the full spectrum of this, you know, this confidence bias, right? Just, just, just so we're all clear about. Um, so it, it, it ranges from, from sort of deep pessimism, right? Uh, to pessimism, to what, I suppose we can call realism, uh, then to confidence, overconfidence, and on the high end of that scale, we can call it arrogance, I suppose. Um, uh, I personally, um, I uh, think of it as uh, as a continuum, sort of, not really, you know, like, are you too confident or, or, or pessimistic, underconfident? I think it was a continuum. So there is... Uh, uh, there is some uh, some accurate representation of of of, of the world, you know, and uh, say for example, uh, the chances of me getting a raise if I ask for it, right? And then um, that's sort of the objective truth, so to speak, right? But then how I how I think about it in my head is is where this bias comes in. For example, if I think the chances if the chances are less than they actually are, then I'm being pessimistic. If I think they are more than they are, then I'm being uh, confident and optimistic, right? And so sort of that, that's how I think of it as, as a continuum. Um, and uh, to to give to give an example from the other side of life. So Sergey spoke about uh, asking for a raise and getting promotions. And uh, I want to give an example uh, for uh, uh, those of us who work for ourselves. Um, So let's say um, you want to start a new new project, new idea, something like this, maybe a new business. Um, Well, if you ever try that, you know that most people will tell you don't do it, right? I mean, it takes... You have to you have to give up on a lot of things, a lot of comfort, salary, uh, your time to start anything new. So you really have to be very confident in in your ability to make something happen, make a new business, new idea, new project happen. Now, if you don't have this confidence, uh, then you will never even start, right? So. Uh, to give you an example, I, I I've been I, I've been uh, uh, working for myself for many many years already, and uh, to me it seems like really this not a big deal. Um, and often enough, I meet, I meet people who are curious about it, and they ask me, "Well, how do you do it?" And I explain it to them, and I see from the conversation that they are clearly able to do something like that too. You know, they have the skills, they have the knowledge, uh, but they are not willing to take that risk. So they they are. In, in my in my mind, I think they're being too pessimistic about their own chances of success, and so they stay 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 stuck, sort of well stuck in quotes in their in in that world, and never never venture outside and never try it. Um, uh, 
I certainly have seen the other cases as well. I, in fact, uh, in the beginning, this is kind of a true story of pretty much every entrepreneur, right? Whenever you start in the very beginning, you're way overconfident you should be, right? Uh, and uh, it's almost a requirement to start. Yeah, exactly, exactly, because 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 the process is so arduous and so difficult that yeah. you're like, unless you have way more confidence in yourself, <laughs> uh, you will never, you will, you'll just never even try it. It's crazy. No, it makes a lot of sense, and um, you know, I want to, I want to take it, I want to take it to a, a different level to hammer this. Uh, example in because you know the, these things uh, permeate every aspect of our life something as trivial as uh, asking for a two percent raise or something more life-changing where or where your lifestyle changes going from being uh, employed to being an employer or something that can um, actually impact the destiny of nations if you will what do I mean by that right so what are the facts today you know at this point in time March 2016. What are the facts? Uh, uh, President Obama's term is about to come to an end. Okay, the the stock market is at about seventeen thousand and uh, crazy fluctuations up and down. Um, and uh, uh, there are two two major voting blocks today. Uh, one that I call the 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 baby boomers who have retired and are. Uh, looking to spend their quote-unquote golden years in peace and comfort, and the other, uh, the other group is the Generation Y and uh, the Millennials, who are just coming into their own, if you will. Right. So these are facts that we all can agree on. The world is somewhat unstable. Uh, uh, depending on who you talk to, the the degrees will be different. Uh, you talk to a zealot and he'll say we are at a state of war of civilizations. And you talk to a scientist uh, such as Stephen Plank, he'll tell you we have had the low, this is the lowest level of uh, violence that we've had in our history. Okay, so these are the facts, if you will, quote unquote, right? But look at what these biases do. Now, if you take the bias of pessimism, which we are seeing a lot in the uh, those in that golden years uh, where, you know, uh, for the first time in the United States, uh, uh, Caucasians will soon no longer be a majority. Uh, you know, that's just one. You, you have a whole bunch of uh, pessimism coming in where a lot of change is coming in. Now, what is that doing? Now, it's the same set of information, but the attitude of how you deal with these things is either making them close off, such as... Uh, uh, guys who are, uh, in my opinion, supporting a guy who could very well be my country's first fascist leader, right? Yeah, I'm talking about Trump, right? <laughs> but that is entirely being built on fear about building walls all around us to prevent any change from happening, right? So this is this is what the 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 generic attitude of pessimism is is driving. It's uh, maintaining supremacy of a particular group, maintaining a set of values, which were the golden years. The golden years were far behind us, right? And we have to return and make America great again, right? So, so that, is, that is based on fear and pessimism. And it creates, that same set of information creates a set of responses, which are, according to some, not so healthy, 
And on the other side, you're seeing the millennials coming in. And, you know, these are young, they want to change the world. And they, 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 their values are sinking in with uh, a crazy old man called Bernie Sanders. And they want to make education free, healthcare free, everything free. And they believe magically the balance sheets will all, uh, <laughs> all work out, right? Now, same conditions, same country two different groups of people being driven by two very different attitudes and their responses change completely. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, one of the two is correct and the other is wrong. Uh, that's each individual's uh, prerogative and in uh, their ethical duty to follow what's true for them. But the question is that the same piece of information is perceived in so many different ways. Uh, just based on that, on the attitudes that you have. And tweaking these attitudes can perhaps, for the first time, start giving you an insight on things as they really are, rather than as you wish them to be. So that's one way to start thinking about what, uh, how, uh, how these uh, biases of attitudes can play in uh, something as little as 2% raise, to starting or not starting a business and all the way to the destiny of nations. Thank you. That's a great example, Mario. Um, yeah. uh, I think we should move on to the second. Yeah, let's uh, move on to the second, second subcategory one, right? of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so the second subcategory is what is called the uh, authority, influence, and misinfluence tendency. Now, the best way to think about this is if you remember the Stanford uh, prisoners experiments. Yeah, guys, one of you want to talk about it? Yeah, that's a great, great uh, experiment. When was it done? In the 60s? 60s, I think, yeah. yeah. The height of the Cold War. Yeah, it's, it's very famous by uh, Milgram. I forget who it was. Yeah. Anyway, so there was this there was this professor, uh, social scientist, I guess, or policy at Stanford. And he did this, it's called uh, prison experiment. Um, they, they designed um, a mock-up of a prison, right? And he's, he got some volunteers to, uh, for a few days to play the roles of both the guards and the inmates in the prison, right? And they tried to, you know, make it realistic where they, these people would just... Uh, spend a few days in the prison. Uh, keep in mind, these, so these volunteers, these are college students uh, from Stanford University. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is highly educated. Yeah, and you, for you, those of you who don't you know, know, it's you a know, civil, civilized group, you know, you know, like these are not, these are pretty far from, you know, from, from your typical uh, uh, criminal offender you would find in a regular prison, right? Anyway, so, they started this experiment, and um, they had to cut it short. Uh, because just a few days uh, into it, what happened is that the, that the prison guards became brutal towards the prisoners, towards the inmates. Uh, just the psychology of, 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 the, of, the, of the prison itself uh, made it so that the people in authority... Uh, were totally misusing the authority, and the people without authority, the inmates, were just becoming complete victims. Yeah, and 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 what they also noticed is, uh, like for example, when they would tell them, when they would tell certain guards and certain prisoners to administer uh, electric shocks just because the order came from an authority, 
they would administer that electric shock even when morally deep down they knew that it's perhaps not the right thing to do. So, uh, and, and the way it was justified was that, hey, somebody in authority, somebody in authority uh, asked me to do it, so I am just doing it. So uh, I, think, I think that particular experiment pretty much highlights this bias uh, because here, if you look at the bias, the question really is, where is the where where does the moral authority to make a decision lie do you do you take that moral authority and learn to say no or do you just uh, shy away from it and said authority asked me to do it so it is being done so i i want to make this a continuum again i just tend to think of everything in life as continuums um so and the way I see this bias is uh, when when a person with authority, whoever I don't know, uh, doctor, policeman, your professor, your boss, doesn't matter, president, um, uh, it tells you something, right? Uh, what is your response? And the continuum is 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 you you can respond to that person in exactly the same way you would respond to an ordinary person without any authority. That's sort of your even point, right? The balance point. Or you can uh, uh, respond uh, uh, very favorably, very favorably, uh, all the way down, all the way down to the uh, um, distortion that we got in this in this prison experiment, where you know just because somebody told them the students were uh, doing huge, huge amount of like, electric shock and, and physical damage. Um, on the other side of the scale, I'm sure we also met. The, you know, all of us, these people who flaunt authority, right? Uh, they do the opposite. If somebody with authority uh, tells them some, to do something, right, they respond disfavorably. They, they do exactly the opposite. I mean, actually, we all went through this as children, right? At some point, there was a terrible tooth, I think, right? When uh, little babies uh, started doing the opposite of what parents tell them. Because and some to... never grow up. Right, exactly. Some never grow up. <laughs> exactly. So I'm just you, those people who never. Ah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's a continuum, right? Uh, how favorably or unfavorably do you respond to authority? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so do we do we perhaps want to get into examples? Yeah, it's uh, a great one, right? Uh, let's see. I'm I'm kind of blanking on that one. <laughs> I know we prepared it and I'm blanking right now. Uh, what was that? Uh, I think it was something about authority of your boss. Oh, well, uh, yeah, okay. No, it's, it's, uh, um, well, okay, so, uh, sticking with the work context, then, uh, basically, uh, uh, there are, well, I can't think of a very specific example right now, but uh, I mean, you can you can think of something like okay, uh, there, there are probably uh, you probably met a few uh, I don't know, let's say store workers maybe or somebody who would just you know would just do things automatically, and uh, if you ask them like why why do you always like uh, 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 actually you know what I have a very specific example now. I remembered one. <laughs> This is this is this is fun. So um, I, I I go I go to a store. I, I buy uh, uh, a, 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 a food and like baby food in cans, right? So they sell them in bulk. Why you like, buy baby food? You why are you buying baby food? That was my question. I, 
Is that something we don't know, Sergey? Yeah, I feel cat baby food. You know, surprise. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so uh, so I'm, I'm buying like the, a pack of twelve, like a two packs of uh, uh, no, twelve uh, uh, cans. So uh, you can't apparently scan the, uh, the the whole pack. So that code doesn't work in their computer. So they have to scan individual cans. Uh, there are like 24 of them, right? So scanning 24 of them is like a pain in the ass, right? You, you'll be like standing there forever. So, uh, of course, the computer has the uh, a way to say, you know, just times 24 and boom, you know, you scan one and you're done. Uh, but this particular uh, cashier didn't know that apparently because nobody told her. So what they told her is uh, uh, those cans, they got to be scanned individually. So she took it to heart. So, and I was standing there laughing my ass off, you know, pretty much internally <laughs> while she was just doing like one can at a time uh, because they told her that. Like nobody told her to like poke buttons in the computer a little bit. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of your you know, authority thing. Uh, in fact, when I told her that, you know, look for like the, the, the multiply button, they should be there, right? She was like, no, 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 that's what I was told to do. And she kept doing that. Apparently, you were not an authority. Uh, apparently, I was a customer. I'm not an authority. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, you just pay the bills, right? So yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter that I have a PhD. You know, I'm probably much smarter than the guy who actually gave the order. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know what they say about PhDs, right? Pile high deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, maybe that too. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of uh, sense, and you know, just. Uh, let, let me let me throw this example in, right? Because I think uh, we've all uh, we've all seen this, where you know, the we, we, in the world of politics, just think about Hitler. He got an entire nation to just obey his authority and do God-forsaken things, right? And and that was uh, people just blindly following authority, and it can happen for many many reasons, right? We saw also blind following of authority in the name of patriotism in my country here, <laughs> post uh, two thousand, uh, post nine eleven, right? Where everyone just followed authority, and even when there wasn't enough proof, um, we said, "Oh, authority says this is what it is," and we tend to uh, tend to get in line, if you will, right? And uh, so there you go. Now on. Uh, uh, Arman's point where it's a continuum, you also have what I call guys who rebel against authority, you know, and uh, I think uh, this group has a little idea about that, right? <laughs> so so you always have guys who will, um, if authority says X happened, they will look for Y, right? If, if they say it's day, They'll say the first question they'll ask is, "Why do you think it's day?" No, it's night, and they start to look to prove the opposite. Now, some people may call them conspiracy theorists. Some people may call them nuts, and some people may call them scientists. Yes, I said scientist. Think <laughs> about it. You have an hypothesis, and you go to prove that the, you go to prove the opposite in order to prove something is there, right? So it is actually a very very scientific approach in some ways. By the way, that is a good use of biases that I'm just demonstrating, right? It is, uh, some would say that it is, it, is a, it is a way of reacting. Now, what, what did this group do? 
this group uh, started going down and saying this is a conspiracy for oil. Uh, one other group uh, started opposing it, saying that we didn't want to make war, we wanted to make love, blah, 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 right? Now, right or wrong is not, is not uh, what we are here discussing, but what we are discussing is where where is the where is your moral decision making do you give up this authority to a figure outside of you in which case you will just fall in line and obey or do you keep that authority inside of you and you dare question uh, uh that authority be it uh, be it your father <laughs> or mother and a small scale in your house right or your boss at work right or your president, or in some cases, even uh, God himself. I remember reading someplace uh, studies that, that, that said that only a very few percent of people are uh, rule breakers, uh, are willing to defy authority. vast majority uh, Get in will, 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 yeah, will toe the line, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this actually applies very, very strongly to, to something I talked about before, you know, starting your own project, your own business, your own, your own something. Because uh, what tends to happen when you try to do this is that well, a couple of things. First, the people, the people uh, you know, what, uh, you know who are sort of, I guess, authority in your life, just partly will tell you that you, you shouldn't, you don't, it's bad for you. Um, but also... Um, how do you go about finding the ideas that you want to work on? Um, well, if you say open, I don't know what, uh, uh, trade journal or technical website or something and look for ideas there, it will happen that you will read the ideas proposed by authorities, right, in that field, experts or whatnot, scientists. Um, but the thing is that these ideas uh, uh, will uh, lead to... Ev- will tend to lead to evolutionary change, right? So step by step, small steps. Uh, if you really are after revolutionary change, paradigm shift, so to speak, then uh, there ain't no authority out there who can tell you uh, what to do. You know, you actually <laughs> need to go and, 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 and go against the authorities that tell you that something else needs to be done. I don't believe in this. How many times have you heard the stories of really phenomenal companies businesses be, uh, uh, being rejected by every single venture capitalist uh, uh, for the first few years because they just didn't believe them. And then they became into billion-dollar businesses or something. You know, this happens over and over again, precisely because to become a billion-dollar business, it usually takes a revolutionary idea. So in the, in the beginning, that idea seems like completely not a nonsense. So nobody is willing to support it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and what I would like to add is, you know, what constitutes an authority, right? I mean, uh, we're, talking about, we're talking about dealing with authority. I, I think Voltaire described it the best. And I think uh, it, to me, it still is the best, uh, uh, the best uh, definition. If you want to know who's an authority, find out who is it that you cannot criticize, Mm-hmm. <laughs> the moment you find out who is it that you cannot criticize, then you can very quickly see whether you toe the line, right, or uh, you have the kahunas to go against it. Now, again, understand, guys, this is not absolute and it's not one is better than the other. Uh, some decisions are good for your life and some are not. So choose wisely. But it's, a, it's about it's about 
It's about beginning to see things as they really are. Uh, so you're really talking about removing biases from your awareness. Yeah. And then now with that, we, we move into the third bucket here uh, in the attitudinal biases. And uh, this is stereotyping. So we all know what stereotyping is, right? Uh, it's expecting a group or a person to have certain qualities uh, without having any real information about that person or that group. So the, the, the sort of snap judgments, you know, yes. uh, I don't know, all Scandinavians are tall, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, all Indians are programmers. <laughs> <laughs> For example, you know, all Martians are extremely intelligent or something. You know, uh, uh, now, the reason we have stereotypes is because they're useful. So stereotype is not a bad word. It's, 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 it's a useful mechanism in our brain uh, that gives us some sense of, of, of the situation without having any real information. All right? and, and we all make stereotypes in our mind. We just may not admit it, but the fact is we yeah. all have yeah. stereotypes. Well, they're useful. I mean, you know, it, yes. they, they came from time when, you, like, for example, we all have a stereotype. If, if, some, you know, if something growls, you know, chances are it's dangerous. You know, it's built in from, from, from a billion years ago, right? So if you go in the forest and you hear a growling behind your back, you're going to jump, jump and probably start running or something else. You know, you're not going to ignore it, right? That's a great stereotype you have. <laughs> well, <a> stereotype. <laughs> I won't be here. <laughs> yeah, so stereotypes are not a bad thing. Uh, they are a bad thing, though, when, when um, the following happens. You get the real information about the person, and yet you are still using the stereotype. You know, you know that a particular person is actually uh, I don't know, a great programmer, but you rely on, on, your, on your stereotype. Said that they say that no, no, no. She can she cannot possibly be a good programmer because she's a woman. Well, it doesn't. You know, this lack. At this point, you have the real information. It's 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 more accurate than any kind of stereotype you might possibly have. Yeah, the way I think about it is uh, when when you apply generalities to such a large extent that you don't you even in the presence of contrary uh, evidence, you don't act otherwise. There, the stereotype has control of you, right? I mean, think about think about an example here. An example again, I, 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 it's election season here, so <laughs> it's uh, it, it's gotten to me. Um, uh, this whole thing going on around now that uh, uh, in the West, where um, you know all of Islam is terrorists, right? And all Muslims are essentially suicide bombers. There are people who actually believe that shit. Okay? And at the same time, on the Eastern Bloc, right? In the, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the Middle East, they believe that, hey, if you're from the West, you're Satan's own child. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what does this do? It doesn't really, really help. Whereas both those religions or both those approaches, guess what? They have a common father. Right, it's a it, they're they're both Abrahamic. <laughs> um, so so, but these stereotypes, uh, what do they do? In fact, uh, we have seen enough evidence that shows that not all Muslims are terrorists, and we've seen enough evidence to show that not every Westerner is uh, the son of Satan or a bigot. <laughs> right. So uh, these kind of attitudes tend to let's just say mess things up. Ever so slightly. 
They were so slow. Correct. <laughs> Always the fine touch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They. Uh, uh, one great example I, I have is uh, uh, at one of the companies I know. They they uh, actually ran an experiment. Uh, they, um, in fact, a whole bunch of experiments, but one of the experiments was really interesting. They uh, basically wrote a mock-up resume uh, of uh, a, a programmer or like an engineer, and uh, then they attached, uh, 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 made, made a bunch of copies of those, and they attached uh, to some of those copies uh, a male picture and a, some of the copies a uh, female picture, and then they just gave those to a bunch of people to evaluate, like, higher, no higher kind of a deal. Uh, so what they found is, uh, and, and, and they, they gave it to people who basically claimed that, you know, they're free of stereotypes, they're, they're like, uh, on, in, in their own words, you know, they, they totally welcome women as, uh, you know, uh, engineers, you know, because there are not enough of them. Uh, and, you know, everybody's equal and all that, right? So people, like, they think they believe that. Uh, and then they actually did their uh, evaluations with the pictures on the resume, and it turns out that uh, women actually got lower score. Guess what? It's the same text, right? The same exact information. So uh, even even if we like really try hard, we still may have those residual biases sitting there somewhere uh, on the uh, in the subconscious. So it's it's real hard. It's, and it can it can mess up your decisions, like Sergey said, ever so slightly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, Karan, do you have anything to add here? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> so, I, I, I think, I think this pretty much concludes the first portion of it, and uh, I, I, I think what we covered, we laid a lot of ground talking about uh, decisions and uh, then going into the large-scale attitudinal biases as the first uh, as the first point but understand the reason uh, the reason we are exploring biases is not that not that one set is good and the other set is bad they are useful and not so useful based on the context and what we are trying to do is build an awareness to begin to hopefully see things as they really are so that we can use them for the best personal and common good so with that guys any closing thoughts uh, yeah i have one um i i want to again uh remind and urge listeners our listeners uh why we're we talking about biases um if you listen to the to us describing them apply them to yourself uh get a sense of when you're when when this is happening to you in what contexts uh, because you know besides besides leading to suboptimal decision making you're also being manipulated by this stuff by other people consciously unconsciously whatever you know maybe even not specific people but uh, sales marketers you know for example you know if you tend to be pessimistic you know uh, it's very easy for somebody to to manipulate you because they will just present the facts in a way that will that will uh, 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 paint a gloomy picture right it's always possible to do that, right? And you won't do whatever it is uh, that, that you were about to do. Same with authority. You know, if somebody knows that you tend to listen to authority more than more than uh, is healthy for you, then you can, you know, they can get authority to issue an order, direct order to you. Uh, 
Same with stereotypes. So basically, uh, uh, unless you're aware of, of, of your own biases and when they happen, uh, you, you will be at the mercy of a lot of the winds in, in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to add to that. It's a great advice, you know, to watch your own stereotypes. The question is, how how would you do that? Because stereotypes of, I mean, not stereotypes, biases, right? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm uh, biased towards the word stereotype for some reason. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the <laughs> uh, the biases, right? So it's it's kind of, it's very hard to uh, uh, notice the biases in yourself because biases happen subconsciously That's before true. before even your words come out or before like even, like it's, it's like pre-thoughts, right? So how do you notice them? And one trick uh, up my sleeve that I can share is, uh, uh, like, notice when you're making snap judgments, right? So you go about your life and you see a person and uh, a thought comes to your head like, oh, you know, he must be a programmer or she must be a model or, you know, something, something, you know, simple, right? Like, boom, uh, some snap judgment. Stop for a moment and think about it. Like, how did I come to that conclusion? How the hell did I, do I know that? Right, and uh, maybe by slowing this process down and by kind of backward analyzing it, you might be able to uncover the filters, or may begin to uncover it. Another way to 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 become aware of your own biases is to ask for help from your friends. Uh, your friends will, you know, if you ask them nicely, they tend to know a lot more about you than you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they will speak. Yeah, and, and, you know, there are far fewer of those than uh, not. These are not your Facebook friends, guys. These are your <laughs> real friends. <laughs> and then I would, I would like to add one thing. I, I don't want to say too much about this, but I will uh, I'll throw it out there. And uh, um, the ones who can catch the thread and go with it, well, good for you. Uh, so a, a good way to start looking at it is decisions are held in the body mind proper it's not just thinking it actually shows up in uh the somatic uh the the somatic structure of how you move the metaphors that your body says and uses you know body maps if you will uh i'll throw a clue your way look at a confident person and how he or she moves and look at a pessimistic person and how he or she moves look at how people respond to someone in authority what the authority followers, how they move, and how the rebels move. Look at when you make stereotypes, how does your body move towards or away from that particular uh, stereotype? If you want to gain the other perspective, move your body in the exact opposite way of how you have so far been used to doing things and see how, how you begin to change what you perceive. Right, and I'm just gonna leave it at that because what what I've talked about, if if you get good at it, you can actually use it to manipulate very very well. And I purposely don't want to get into that area, but but pay attention to the whole body mind structure, uh, the map of the body and the metaphors that the body communicates, and begin to unravel new ways of perceiving what is out there. Funny thing that that's what you said, you know, reminded me. Uh, 
uh, what uh, Paul Rebel mentioned. What I think it might be even in the podcast uh, about a guy in a like a, a theater actor who uh, normally in his life was like very shy, very kind of small person who would be like very. Uh, 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 yeah, essentially, like very, very uh, unassuming, right? But he was playing kings on stage, hmm. and uh, uh, the way he played kings on stage is like before the before he would come out, he would start putting makeup, and uh, uh, and as he was putting makeup, you could see the transformation. He would change his posture. He would sit straight up. He would like uh, change the facial expression. Like it basically was his ritual to kind of cross that line. Like mm. his whole body would change, and he would come out and be this king who rules the world. And he would go back and you know take his makeup down and become this small and assuming person again. I don't remember that, but that's an awesome story. Yeah. Awesome I, story. Uh-huh. Cool. So yeah. I think I think I think this was a, a good, rich way to begin um, begin this journey, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, this discussion has uh, given you food for thought, and perhaps enrich begin to enrich your life in certain ways. So, with that, good night and good luck. Uh, have a great day, and may you be happy. The copyright of this recording is owned by the Radical Change Group and the individual contributors. Permission to copy and distribute freely is granted, provided that the entire recording on this notice remain intact. Please visit us at www.radicalchangegroup.com. Your comments and feedback will be greatly appreciated.